Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An unrepentant advocate for the truth people need to know. Stay informed with Vicki McKenna on News Talk 1130 WISN. Vicki McKenna, News Talk 1130 WISN. I am congested. I think I have a sinus infection, so sorry. I'm going to talk through my nose. Just, you know, think back to my old days in Rockford, Illinois, and just talk through my nose. But I am going to apologize in advance for that. First, before we get into anything on the program, here is your word this hour. It is fly, F-L-Y, fly. Text the word fly to the number 200-200 if you would like a chance to win a trip for two to the iHeartRadio Music Festival in Las Vegas, September 22nd and 23rd. Round trip airfare to Las Vegas, two nights hotel, ground transportation, and of course, tickets to the iHeartRadio Music Festival. Fly, F-L-Y. If you enter the contest by texting the word fly to the number 200-200, you'll get a text confirming your entry. You will also get iHeartRadio info. And remember, standard data and message rates apply. Data, before I get into anything... I did get to the bottom of my data burn. I did. It was two things. For those of you who remember, I was complaining about suddenly having no data left in my data plan for my cell phone provider. Somebody had emailed me who had worked for my provider and said, by the time you get those data messages that say you're almost at the end of your data, they're really old. They're not very current. So they could be a couple of days old. After much um, effort, I was able to determine that the amount of data that I was using in Canada was larger than it would have been were I using the same types of services in America. Just because you it it just takes more data to do the same things i don't know if that's you know because of canada and the roaming agreements that they've got or whatever that is anyway i was basically using one and a half times the amount of data that i thought i would have used if i were doing the same things on facebook etc in america plus the fact that the data rate notice came very late i was by the time it came to my um inbox i had already used up all my data um, that explains how suddenly I went from, you know, using X number of gigs of data every month to an enormously larger amount and was at the end of my data plan. Um, so uh, my, my original plan was just to go buy a new phone because I thought there was something wrong with my phone uh, or, you know, yell at customer service. But I did actually call the lady back. I believe in the Philippines is where I was chatting um, for customer service. And I did call back and, and share with her that information. I don't know if she got it. But anyway, there's the update on that for those of you who care. Second update. I was griping about marriage licenses yesterday. Marriage licenses. Just I've, I've never thought to look this up before until I had a reason to. 
And, and none of you ever contacted me about this. I'm a little disappointed in you because this was an issue tailor-made to be exposed for the absurdity that it's become in Wisconsin. This crazy hoop-jumping and hokey-pokey you have to do just to get a marriage license, which is actually making it difficult for people who are stationed at bases outside the state of Wisconsin and, and a whole host of other ways it makes life difficult for people. You never contacted me. Why? Anyway, I was uh, chatting with uh, Representative Dale Coyanga yesterday. He was talking about repealing the alternative minimum tax, which um, we're hopeful will actually happen because it's going to it's going to consume more people this year if they don't do it. And I brought this up and I said, you know, hey, Dale, have you ever taken a look at this crazy, the crazy rules about marriage licenses? I mean, my goodness, do you want people married in Wisconsin or not? He said, tell me more. So I did. He was actually interested in potentially getting a bipartisan group of people together to try to make it a little bit easier on couples that would like to get married. So there, possibly a little bit of success. It's not going to help me. I'm stuck with the existing system as it is and all the goofy rules, um, but it might help people in the future. So you never know if you've got a problem and you think someone like me who enjoys particularly complaining about absurd regulations, do me a favor. Reach out. Reach out. Some of you might have wanted to reach out about grousing about your cell phone provider. I might not react to it, but you never know uh, because these things happen to everybody. All right. Here's where um, I want to, the show today, I want to I talk about a couple of things. Number one, I want to talk about the, the reality of American culture versus what the media is trying to make it into. And how the reality being so different um, isn't enough to protect American culture from ultimately what becomes a left-wing cultural revolution. I want to get into that on the show. Um, And I also want to get into uh, the resolution that has been proposed by Representative Steinecke in the state of Wisconsin asking the legislature to condemn Antifa. Um, And so far, there hasn't been, this could change, so far there hasn't been a lot of enthusiasm on the left in our state to condemn an anti-American, pro-hate, bigoted, pro-Marxist, violent organization. So I'm going to get into that as well. Um, I do want to start off by, um, you know, taking care of a couple of myths. Number one, uh, Best Buy did not try to gouge people on bottled water. Uh, So there's some of these things that are out there that are just... um, They're they're just unfair. Uh, You know... And the outrageously outrageous outrage mob uh, tends to sick themselves on companies and on people without anybody even figuring out what's going on. So Best Buy did not actually try to gouge people, hurricane victims, on the sale of bottled water. Um, the pricing picture that you saw was just simply a mistake by an employee who, who didn't know how to price the water. Didn't know he wasn't even supposed to price the water. Secondly, Melania Trump did not wear high heels to a hurricane zone. Third, the left-wing media's criticism of Melania Trump and high heels didn't make her change her shoes. And fourth, and I think you already know this one, Joel Osteen's church 
didn't actually shut its doors to flood victims. So I wanted to throw that out there because that's, you know, the, the outrage mob is out there still having their way with these three stories. Melania Trump's shoes, Joel Osteen, who I don't really like that much, by the way. But, uh, but his church did not um, try to protect itself against helping hurricane victims. Uh, and, and Best Buy didn't actually go out of its way to try to screw over flood victims either. Uh, not that I, any of these stories is going to be put to bed anytime soon. But anyway, when I come back, I want to talk about the resolution, the anti-Antifa resolution. I also do want to spend a little bit of time talking about Melania's shoes, not because they're awesome shoes, but because they represent something that the left is trying to do to our culture. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the program. Did you uh, catch that word for the iHeartRadio Music Festival? I hope you did. Um, I certainly hope you would um, you would have been paying attention so that you could text you know the appropriate word to the number two hundred two hundred so that you could fly away to a um, to Las Vegas for that for that concert. I was hoping um, hoping you guys had a chance to catch that word. Um, Let me let me um, let me start by saying this. The response to the devastation of the hurricane is does it surprise any of you? Probably not. Right. It surprises a bunch of people in the media. The overwhelming response that Americans outside Texas and even Americans inside Texas had to the hurricane. You have, um, I, I know of a person who's uh, part of a liberal-leaning group in Madison, Wisconsin, who very rapidly put together an effort to get uh, four truckloads, semi-truckloads of supplies loaded up and, and, and just today sent them off to Texas to help people. Um, Texas, you know, the land of uh, right-wingers and gun rights and rednecks and whatever else has been used as a pejorative for Texas. He wasn't thinking, oh my gosh, Texas went for Trump, or there's a whole bunch of Trump people there. He just got a bunch of people together and he put a bunch of stuff, you know, raised a bunch of um, awareness, and then went and got a lot of stores to donate goods and people to donate goods, and now he's he's part of the process of driving stuff to Texas. J.J. Watt, you know, he raised $6 million. Um, I think that was yesterday. Immediately after raising the $6 million to help flood victims, he said, okay, if we can do six, we can do 10. Um, people like Ellen DeGeneres participated. Companies like Walmart participated. But also uh, various conservative religious organizations participated in that. So th- that, doesn't, that, that doesn't surprise Americans, because it's what we do. It doesn't matter if somebody voted for Trump or somebody voted for Hillary. You know, everybody's equal when a storm hits, when a disaster hits. And that's how America responded to Harvey. And it's not surprising, um, as Jonah Goldberg says in his piece in National Review today, Americans are fundamentally decent people. But it surprised a whole bunch of people in the press. Oh, my goodness, look at this. You know, look at these conservatives helping or look at these liberals helping. It surprised a bunch of people. It shouldn't have surprised anybody. Um, But why did it surprise people in the media, the elite media? And I'm not condemning the people in the elite media for for being surprised by this. 
um, simply because it stands to reason they would be surprised by this. And this is why. Because they are part of a group of people who believe and have promoted the idea that everything is politics. And if everything is politics, then hurricane relief is politics. And it surprises them when hurricane relief or the the politicization of hurricane relief is rejected by the masses of people participating in hurricane relief. Because they are, and and this is not just media people on the left or elite uh, people on the left. It's also elite people on the right. They were shocked. You weren't shocked. I wasn't shocked. But But it surprised some people in the press. Because politics is everything and everything is politics. Here's a great example. Melania's shoes. It's a great example. Melania Trump is boarding Air Force One in a pair of high heels. She's in Washington, D.C. She's boarding Air Force One in a pair of high heels. The press makes that a, a statement on her willingness or capacity to understand the suffering of hurricane victims. Now, America rejects this, okay? Because she put shoes, she put sneakers on the plane. Obviously. She, I mean, she's not a stupid woman. So she gets on the plane in high heels. By the time she gets off the plane, what's she wearing? A baseball cap, a pair of black cotton pants, and sneakers. No kidding, says all of America, but the press can, well, we must have been able to shame her into abandoning her stilettos for a pair of sneakers to tour the devastation of Hurricane Harvey. You know, that's the kind of reason why the media was actually surprised when they saw people coming together, people from the left helping people who are clearly, you know, their political opposites in areas hit by Hurricane Harvey or people on the right who are clearly willing to help, even though, of course, they're a bunch of evil, rotten, bigoted racists in a couple of pictures of the Cajun Navy with some black people helping white people and white people helping black people were complete mind exploders to the folks who have promoted this idea that politics is everything. Melania Trump didn't have high heels on to help hurricane victims. She had sneakers on. Because she is also like the rest of us in that respect. I bring this up because the reality of American culture and the fact that on a, in, in, in a pinch, when, that, when the chips are down, when it's crunch time, just like on 9-11 or, or Hurricane Katrina and Rita or Hurricane Sandy or Hurricane Harvey, we do what we, what we always do. We, we help each other. People don't stand around and try to figure out how to how to check your your you know your party registration. We just help each other. But that reality will eventually become irrelevant if the people who this week were surprised that Americans could still t- come together after after being described as a completely divided, hyper tribalized, hateful country filled with 50 percent of its citizens being bigots and closet clan members. The reality of Americans coming together and helping each other is a reality that will eventually give way to the tribalism that is already believed to be true by the elites. This is what I'm talking about. 
hardly anybody looks at what is going on in American culture and recognizes that it has been, there has been a concerted effort to alter the way we view each other personally by people who believe that all things should be political. The purpose of making everything political is to eventually get people to look at one another as neighbors, as, you know, as citizens, and mistrust each other. That's the purpose of making everything political. Making everything political, getting people to focus on fringe issues, loading language, altering the meaning of words, rubbing resentments raw, creating agitation, promoting the idea of hate and division. The purpose of that is to separate us from each other as neighbors and citizens. That is something that has been going on for the better part of 50 or 60 years by people who believe that if they can only eventually politicize everything from shoes to food to sports to pets to light bulbs to you name it, They'll eventually be able to get us to look at each other, even in a time of high crisis, and reject one another as citizens. And it is that that is not getting nearly enough attention, because we're way further down the line on that than we've ever been in the past. We're not there, obviously, or we wouldn't have seen what happened with the response to Hurricane Harvey. Americans are still Americans, and they're still fundamentally decent people, and they don't actually hate each other. Like, the, like the, the left and the press wants you to believe they do. But if we don't correct the perceptions of America, which is so completely divorced from the reality of America, there will be a day when nobody is going to be able to trust one another and we will actually find that the fabric of society has frayed. Hang on one second. There's a wonderful piece on this I want to point your attention to uh, by a lady named Stella Morabito. And I'll, uh, I'll put the link up on the website for you, but I'm going to take a quick break. Quick email here. I missed the word of your opening segment. But like a fly on the wall, I somehow managed to figure out what it was. <laughs> of course, I was talking about the keyword for the iHeartRadio Music Festival. So, glad you caught that. Glad you caught that. Um, hope the rest of you did as well. All right, back to this idea of politi- when, you, when you make everything politics. And by the way, the left's belief is politics is virtue. Everything is political. That is not an overstatement. That's not hyperbole. That's just their belief system. Everything is political. Everything. I mean everything. Melania's shoes? Political. The NFL? Political. Um, the, the, the big smackdown between Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Conor McGregor, McGregor, political, that that was supposedly white versus black. And that was, you know, um, that was supposed to be an existential battle between the white supremacy and black lives matter to some people make it political, make your food political, make your pets political, make your sports political, make your church political. Make your entertainment political, your music political. 
Everything is supposed to be politics. Again, the left media, the elite media, I shouldn't even say the left media because some of them are on the right. The elite media had a hard time at the beginning to understand how people from the left and the right could come together and help hurricane victims. That's so stupid because it's so American. But it telegraphs a fundamental misunderstanding of what Americans feel about each other. The idea is to get us so that we won't do those things for each other. We won't help a neighbor in a flood. We won't raise money to help flood victims. We won't collect donations. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The idea is to make everything political because that's the way the left ultimately controls your private moments. The idea of doing this is to, by the way, it's, it's not unprecedented. Other countries, other tyrants have done this from the fascists in Italy to the Nazis in Germany, Germany to the communists in China to the to the communists in Russia to the Soviets in Russia you need to make everything political because then you can control private thoughts private exchanges private interactions private conversations and it doesn't it won't matter if we have a first amendment because we will have already succumbed to the pressure of all things political it's tedious, but it's a real it's a real technique that is designed to over time produce a cultural revolution. Stella Morabito at the Federalist has a piece that I uh, it was posted last week, so it may have fallen off the front page, but I will make sure it is up on the blog. In fact, I think it's already there at newstalk eleven thirty dot com slash Vicky, where she explains. The easy way or some of the easier techniques to engage in to get people at a point where they are looking at everything through a political lens. And the reason why it wasn't as big of a risk prior to the last, say, 10 years is because the right typically rejected just simply rejected the idea that everything is politics. Lately, members of the right, in an attempt to fight back against the left, have begun to put everything through a political meat grinder to try to make things political because they, and, and maybe, you know, with, with an understandable inclination, they think that this is the way to fight back against the left. But here's what happens. Focus on fringe things. Focus on the fringe. Folk, that's what PC made us do. It made us focus on the fringe. Focus on things that don't matter to your individual life. Make people who are irritated by things that don't matter to their life roll their eyes and walk away and not actually address the assault on the fringe of our lives, our personal lives. The kind of shoes you might pick to wear. The type of music you would choose to listen to. The types of art you would like to consume. The, 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 whether you believe in the Constitution or not, you don't really care if your neighbor does or doesn't. But as, as the old adage goes, you will be made to care. 
So the first thing you do is you get people to focus on fringe things. Then you load the language to make those fringe things more meaningful than they are. Then you distort the meaning of the language itself. You begin rubbing people's individual resentments raw. You pit one group of people against another group of people based on fringe concerns that actually do not affect either group of people. Over time, you you may eventually be able to have access to pathways of mass distribution, think media, education, government agencies in the United States. It's a recipe for cultural revolution. The left has been adding seasoning to this recipe for a long time. Antifa has been recreated to be a freedom movement in America. Ten years, they've, they've existed for a long time. They weren't called Antifa before. They were called the Black Bloc. The Black Bloc used to be described as Marxist terrorists because they would blow up things at World Trade Organization meetings. They've now been recreated as a resistance force. By the way, political obstructionism and a rejection of the rule of law has been recreated into simple, respectable American resistance. What used to be different is that you used to be able to rely on elements in the right on the right leaning press in the Republican Party and among citizens to simply categorically reject these 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 caricatures and these recreations of meaning. And that's not something we have much in abundance of any longer. There's an abundance of interest in stopping this cultural revolution that is taking place very slowly. I might add, this is not something that's happening fast. It's something that's taking place very slowly. It's taken place over the last 50 or 60 years. It began, incidentally, by the infiltration of the universities, the university's insistence on accreditation for individual public school teachers, the promotion of monopoly government school requirements for almost every single child in the United States, and then, of course, recycling them back into what has now become almost a mandate for college education in order to get a decent job. These things don't happen overnight. They haven't happened overnight. It hasn't happened yet. Which brings us to a couple of things. First, some pretty easy practical ways to start pushing back against this and maybe arrest it in its tracks, especially with the knowledge that America has not succumbed broadly to this, this, this hyper-politicization of everything and the politics of division, which ultimately seeks to make us um, not even able to to have agency over our own private lives practical thing number one to do is to do what representative steinecke proposed and that was just a simple government uh, resolution at the state legislative level that rejects antifa he introduced a piece of legislation that is just simply a resolution asking the state legislature to pledge their support to a rejection of a violent anti-American organization that seeks to divide, spread hate and violence throughout the United States without even explaining the rules of how mass propaganda works or how cultural revolutions slowly take place and eventually consume an entire culture. A simple resolution like Representative Steinecke proposed. It's one step. Number two, 
You recognize that the that the the delivery mechanisms of the idea that everything is politics and politics is virtue. The delivery mechanisms are twofold. Number one, the K-12 public school system and number two, the university school system. Now, you can address these two things very easily front on, but you can't do it on the margins. You have to actually confront the problem with the ideology of the public schools and the ideology of the university and address the core ideology in the state of Wisconsin. That would amount to a piece of legislation that would do a wholesale over audit of the curriculum of public school classrooms and would ask for parental input on appropriate materials to be taught to their children. Another thing would be to remove anything that does not actually address the question of whether or not it helps a student read, write, learn math, and do science. It's not a difficult thing to do. It would take some time, but legislatively, it's pretty easy. At the university level, it's really simple. It's really, really simple. You will begin dismantling the structures that have forced the politicization of everything and created an atmosphere that is so hostile to free speech that some students have already begun to self-censor. If you do not do this, we will not give you money. This is also a simple piece of legislation. So there are there are some really practical things. The federal government, what does the federal government do to a city like Berkeley, California? Berkeley, California, which is instead of saying we will pull out all stops to protect free speech, is instead saying, hey, conservatives, I don't think you should go to Berkeley campus and speak. Conservatives shouldn't gather together in the public square and speak. Anybody who disagrees with the violence of Antifa shouldn't even show up in a public square because there might be riots. At the federal level, the answer is easy on that. Oh, no, mayor of Berkeley, you will absolutely task your police department to protect people's right to speak. And if they are incapable of doing that, then you, Governor Brown, will absolutely dispatch the National National Guard to areas where free-loving people need protection from violent thugs. And if, in fact, the localities fail... In their duty, their sworn duty to defend people, we will send in the army to make sure, which is legal, by the way, to make sure that people's free speech rights, free speech rights are protected. This is what's necessary to, and I think this is sufficient to arrest what has been going on in the last handful of years, maybe a little bit more than a decade, that has seen the, the the demand that everything be political, that all politics be elevated to the level of virtue. And if you reject it, you are expected to be punished for it. I believe that those four things start with a resolution condemning all of the groups that promote violence, work to overhaul the curriculum of the public schools, take away the dollars from the universities if they fail to create a vigorous free marketplace of ideas on their campus and tell local governments that they are going to have to use their police force to protect people from violence or you'll send in the 101st Airborne Division. Those four things, which can all be accomplished by Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions... And the Wisconsin state legislature would be sufficient. And we are so far from there, it's not even funny. Be right back.
Hey, welcome back to the program. Simple, actionable things. Um, by the way, to the people who are wondering um, about using the army, uh, when a state refuses, or in, in fact, orders its National Guard and its police agencies and its courts to deliberately obfuscate the law. Um, that is what we're talking about here, and that's what Eisenhower did in Little Rock, Arkansas, when the National Guard was ordered to block students from attending integrated schools after the, the Supreme Court ordered uh, the schools to desegregate. Um, this is at a sort of last last cost kind of uh, action. But it's um, and it is something that President Eisenhower had to engage simply because um, he had a National Guard in Arkansas that was actually acting on behalf of lawlessness. Um, the other thing that, of course, the perhaps even easier thing to do would be to say, because the National Guard is now under federal authority, it can be enacted by governors. It can be it can be um, put on active alert by governors. It can be dispatched by governors. But in the end, it is now under federal authority. Um, is for the federal government to say the National Guard will be defending speakers at Berkeley or will be disf- defending speakers in Portland or will be otherwise. Um, but that is assuming that Governor Jerry Brown would simply fail to um, to do that himself or, at worst case scenario, um, order the National Guard to deliberately disobey the law and to circumvent the Constitution. Um, and that is something we've had in our past. Uh, it is not something we've had often in our past, but it is something we have had in our past. Um, the state legislatures, though, uh, and the states do have all of the cards in their hands. All of the cards are in the hands of the states. Even though we have seen the federal government encroach on states' authority forever, as long as we've all been alive, the states still hold all the cards. Because it is at the state level where the lion's share of education money and education authority resides. Despite the orders by the federal government of compliance with this act or that law, at the end of the day, the states get to decide what the content of the classroom is. At the end of the day, the states get to decide how much the university system gets. The states hold the cards in this regard. They just simply do. And to constantly caterwaul that the federal government gets in our way. By the way, Betsy DeVos is trying to get the federal education department out of the way. And in fact, one of the very few upshots of ESSA, ESSA, was that states were given more flexibility to decide for themselves what the content and accountability of classrooms was going to be. Now, in the state of Wisconsin, Tony Evers has been sitting on that authority and is likely to continue the status quo. And the state legislature has not decided to assert itself in any meaningful way to demand that Evers embrace the new flexibility through ESSA. Again, not a perfect law by any means. And in fact, it did pretty much institutionalize Common Core. That said... The the amount of flexibility that exists because of the, the changes to the way uh, accountability was going to be calculated at the federal education level means the state of Wisconsin has got a lot of flexibility now. But Tony Evers is not doing anything with it. He's going to essentially continue the status quo. And the state legislature, even though it has the authority, 
isn't asserting its authority. So we're going to miss an opportunity in this budget session because we're not going to take that new flexibility and we're not going to do it, use it for any purpose, overhauling the content of the classroom. The classroom content is a problem. The use of revisionist history, the dumbing down of math, the replacement of thought in rational calculation with feelings. You've all heard this, right? I bet you anybody who's got a, a son or a daughter under the age of 30 has no, no longer hears this. I think that they don't hear that any longer. They all now hear I feel like or I feel that that was a deliberate effort by the schools to raise feelings above the level of thought. Seriously, you notice this now when you go home. You're probably even saying it because it's now so ubiquitous. We no longer say, I think that we say, I feel like, or I feel that. The, the content of the K-12 classroom, because 97.5% of all students are going to be educated in a government school, Ninety-seven and a half percent, one and a half percent is homeschooled, and the other small fraction is 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 going to religious schools. The huge majority of kids are going to go through that K twelve school environment. Most of those kids are going to be told they've got to go to college. I don't care if you're talking about technical training, and I don't care if you're talking about a four-year competitive university, because both types of higher education have also been hijacked by the idea of politics is virtue and everything must be political. Absolutely true. So now you're going to tell your kid, well, you're not going to be able to get a decent job just with a high school degree, not to mention you're learning less now in 2017 in high school than you were in 2010 or in 2005 or in 1986. Every one of those kids is going to be encouraged to go and get higher education. That higher education is just simply, it's simply solidifying the lessons that deconstruct the idea of individual choice in favor of a social justice worldview, a progressive worldview, a socialistic worldview. And yet no legislature that I can think of is is even looking at the content of the classroom. No legislature I can even think of is talking about actually withholding dollars from university campuses if they fail to promote a vigorous free exchange and free marketplace of ideas. Not a single state I can think of. Some states have gone forward and passed some campus free speech bills, but none of them are terribly are, are terribly punitive. Donald Trump tweeted out once about Berkeley that if they fail to protect free speech rights, he is going to uh, direct the government to withhold federal dollars. But he never followed through on that and nothing ever came of it and nothing is coming of it. If you want to stop, if you want to arrest what is an ongoing process, and even if we're successful in, in making people understand just how vulgar and vile Antifa is, and I do actually have a lot of hope that we're going to do that. It is only one organization out of thousands, not the least of which is the K-12 public school system and university and the bureaucracy of government. Notice how hard it is for Trump to drain the swamp. He's just trying to get rid of incompetence. And he's being 
attacked at every single turn. I don't care if it's incompetent VA workers, incompetent IRS workers. Just going after incompetence is enough to get him attacked because that's how deeply embedded the progressive ideology has become in the agency level of government. The states, though, really are the key. They hold the key. I don't know if state legislatures understand that. I don't know if citizens understand that. I don't know if most citizens even recognize that we are in the midst of a slow-crawling cultural revolution in this country that is not successful yet, as the hurricane relief efforts show us. But that's not a guarantee that if we don't do something relatively soon, a generation or two from now, it will be successful. Have a great day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.